Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Run the Category. I'm Sophia, the host of the show. If this is your first episode, welcome. It's so nice to meet you. And if you've listened before, thank you for listening again. The way the show works is each week, I'll pick a category from Jeopardy, run through the clues from the category, and deep dive into the answers to learn some new trivia. At the end of the show, I'll give a final Jeopardy clue that I wrote myself for you to answer at home. The answer to that clue will be revealed at the beginning of the next episode. Once again, thank you for listening, and without further ado, let's begin the show. The answer to last week's final Jeopardy is President William Henry Harrison. As the clue stated, he died only one month into his term after catching pneumonia. His inauguration took place on a really cold and rainy day, and he chose not to wear a coat. He rode on open horseback to the ceremony and gave the longest inaugural address in history, lasting about two hours. And this was after being edited for length. Surprisingly, this insanely long inauguration in cold and rainy weather was not actually related to the pneumonia that he died from. Now, onto the category for this week, which is... Classical music. This category is often used in the show and in the online screening tests. To some, classical music and composers seem really boring, but classical music at its best is an expression of inner emotion. A great example that I recommend listening to is Edward Elger's Cello Concerto in E minor. It's truly a masterpiece and it conveys such deep emotional resonance. But on to the first clue for this week. These clues come from the Double Jeopardy round of March 20th, 2020 episode, so it's more recent. The $400 clue is... At age 15 in 1825, he played for the Russian Tsar who was visiting Warsaw. Who is Chopin? Frederick Chopin was a Romantic-style composer and pianist. The Romantic period of classical music focused on individual emotional expression. Chopin is a major artist of this period, and his works demonstrated deep imagination and individuality. Chopin was born in near Warsaw in 1810 to a French teacher. He was a definitive piano prodigy. At age seven, he wrote Polonaise in G minor, and by eight, he was already playing concerts. And as the clue stated, at 15, he played for Tsar Alexander I. He went on to enroll in the Warsaw Conservatory of Music, but it's not like he needed much instruction to be a great musician, apparently. After the capture of Warsaw by Russia, he moved to Paris, where he became sort of an early musical celebrity, known for his romantic-style pieces. It's in Paris that he lived the majority of his life, but he was always really influenced by his Polish heritage. He wrote at least 59 mazurkas, which are based on traditional Polish folk dances, and he wrote many polonaises, also based on Polish folk music. His last public performance was in 1848 at a London benefit for Polish refugees. In his personal life, he had a love affair with the female author Aurore de Devant, also known by her pen name George Sand. Their love affair is portrayed in the movie Impromptu, with Hugh Grant as Chopin and Judy Davis as George Sand. He passed away of tuberculosis in 1849. Appropriately, his prelude in C minor, known as the Funeral March, was played at his funeral. His body is interred at the Père Lachaise Cemetery, which is also the resting place of Jim Morrison of Doors, Oscar Wilde, and Marcel Proust.
His heart, though, is interned at the Church of the Holy Cross in Warsaw. Chopin is a very important part of Warsaw's history, and every five years, the Chopin International Piano Competition takes place there. Chopin is particularly famous for his many etudes, difficult pieces meant to prove and perfect specific musical skill, including pieces like Revolutionary, Tristesse, and Chromatic. He was also responsible for helping to popularize nocturnes as a musical style. As I previously stated, he wrote many mazurkas and polonaises, including the military polonaise and the heroic polonaise. And like the title of the movie about his life, he wrote many impromptus, one of the most famous being his fantasy impromptu in C-sharp minor. It's a very famous piece that you've most likely heard at least the beginning to, but I still recommend listening to it in its entirety. Chopin is also known for his Opus 64 Number 1, also called the Minute Waltz, which can be played, as the title suggests, in 60 seconds. Chopin's music is gorgeous, moving, expressive, and deeply personal, and it makes for a very engaging listening experience. The next clue is actually the daily double from this round. So for however much money you're feeling like wagering, the clue is... This march by Sir Edward Elgar is commonly played at high school and college graduations. The answer? What is pomp and circumstance? Now, this march was written by Sir Edward Elgar, who wrote the cello concerto that I recommended earlier. Again, a moving listen. Elgar was also a romantic composer who was known for his bold sounds and a larger form of music as compared to Chopin, who wrote mainly for solo piano. Much like his bold sounds, he had a big ol' mustache, like it's an impressive Mr. Monopoly-style mustache. Elgar was born 1857 in Worcester, England. I did have to look up how to properly pronounce that. He was the son of an organist and a music dealer. He was a Roman Catholic, and he wanted to complete a trilogy of oratorios, which is a composition for choral works, but he only ever completed two. He's known for his Enigma variations, which are based on the theme that Elgar refused to disclose, although he claimed it was a well-known tune. It's still a mystery today. Each of the variations was a musical sketch of one of his close friends, based on their personalities. I think that's a beautiful way to play tribute to your friends while also creating a musical mystery for scholars to debate. He also wrote The Dream of Gerontus, which is an orchestra piece based on a poem by John Henry Cardinal Newman. Perhaps his most well-known work, though, is Pomp and Circumstance, which is the first of his marches in D major, opus 39. Elgar was knighted, becoming Sir Edward Elgar, and he also served as the University of Birmingham's first professor of music. When he died in 1934, he left an unfinished symphony, piano concerto, and an opera. Elgar is an important figure in English classical music because he was the first English composer with international recognition since Henry Purcell, close to 200 years before Elgar was born. He was even featured on the 20-pound note until about 2010. While we've all heard Pomp and Circumstance, I recommend listening to some of his other works because his music is gorgeous, moving, and full of life. The $1,200 clue is... Nicknamed the Red Priest, he was an ordained priest before he composed The Four Seasons. (laughs) 
Who is Vivaldi? Antonio Lucio Vivaldi was a major composer of the Baroque period. Baroque music has an elegance and a grandeur and an opulence to it. The word Baroque itself comes from the word Barocco, meaning oddly shaped pearl, and describes classical music from 1600 to around 1750. The concerto was a very popular form, usually a single soloist with an orchestra, and was used often by Vivaldi. Vivaldi was born in 1678 in Venice to Giovanni Bastista, a violinist of the San Marco Basilica Orchestra, so violin was in his blood. Vivaldi was trained for the priesthood and was ordained, which is where he got the nickname, the Red Priest, for his red hair. He took his priesthood very seriously, and even gained a little bit of a reputation as a religious bigot. He eventually had to give up mass because he had bronchial asthma, and ended up working as the violin master at the Ospedale della Pieta, a home for abandoned children. This is where he wrote many of his compositions for the all-female ensemble that was used to attract patrons. After this, he worked as the director of Secular Music for Mantua. This was one of his only permanent positions, as he much preferred being a musical freelancer, composing for individual patrons and as an impresario in Venice and other Italian cities. While his music's popularity peaked in the 1720s, in the 1730s his music really began to fall out of favor. He died in poverty in Vienna, Austria in 1741, and it was only many, many years later that the collections of his works were rediscovered. These manuscripts are now stored in the National Library in Turin. His most famous work is, of course, The Four Seasons, the movements of which being each of the seasons starting from spring and going to winter. He's claimed to have composed 94 operas, only 50 of which have been identified, while only the scores of 20 survive. Talk about a sad survivorship curve. Some of his operatic works include Ottone in Villa, Orlando Furioso, Stabat Mater, L'Olympiade, and Nulla in Mundo Pax Sincera. Besides operatic and choral works, he also wrote concertos and pieces for violin, bassoon, trumpet, lute, cello, and the mandolin. Vivaldi's works feature amazing instrumentality, clear musical form, and healthy rhythmic movement, and they're truly beautiful pieces. This next clue is the $1,600 clue, and it is... This composer supervised when the Met staged his Madama Butterfly in 1905. Who is Giacomo Puccini? Giacomo Puccini was one of the great Italian composers. He was born 1858 in Lucca, Tuscany, Italy, and he was the last descendant of a family of musical directors of the local cathedral. He began playing organs in small local churches, but after seeing a performance of Verdi's Ida, he decided opera was to be his life. After studying at the Milan Conservatory, he began his operatic career in Lucca with the support of Giulio Riccardo. After falling in love with a married woman, Elvira, the couple fled, ending up in Milan. Their relationship wasn't happy, though. Elvira was temperamental and accused Puccini of having an affair with a servant, Doria Manfredi. She harassed the servant to the point of suicide, and upon her death, it was revealed that the servant wasn't having an affair with Puccini after all. Doria's family sued Elvira, and Puccini separated from her, but ended up reuniting with her and settling with the family. Puccini died in 1924 of throat cancer and is interred at Torre del Lago. This town holds a festival for him every year. 
Puccini has composed some of the most beloved and influential operas of all time. His works are noted especially for his use of mature themes, like suicide, torture, and violence. Perhaps the most well-known of his operas, he wrote La Boheme, which served as the basis for Rent. The opera itself is actually based on the novel Scenes de la Vie de la Boheme by Henry Merker. La Boheme is set in Paris around the bohemian lifestyle of a poor seamstress Mimi and her artistic friends, Rodolfo a poet, Marcello a painter, and Colleen a philosopher. He also wrote Madame a Butterfly. The first version of this opera was extremely poorly received, but after some revision, it became extremely successful. This opera takes place in Nagasaki, Japan, where a U.S. officer, Lieutenant Pinkerton, is going to marry Chocho-san, also known as Butterfly. He's marrying her purely for convenience until he can find an American wife. He leaves to go to America, and after three years, he still hasn't returned. Butterfly, though, won't remarry and has had his child. Pinkerton then shows up along with his new American wife to take the child, but upon seeing Butterfly, he realizes that he's made a mistake. But it's too late when he goes to tell her, because Butterfly has committed seppuku. Now, rightfully so, this opera has a lot of controversy surrounding it because of its cultural appropriation, its stereotyping of Asian women, and its use of racial slurs. Modern performances of it shy away from the usage of yellow face, but still this opera often features non-Asian performers in Asian roles. Still, this opera is one of the most popular operas and is a clear sign that a discussion of diversity and representation needs to occur in opera. Another one of Puccini's famous operas is Turandot, with its most famous aria being Nasun Dorma. This opera takes place in China and involves Prince Kalaf, who falls in love with Princess Turandot and has to convince her to marry him by solving riddles. If he doesn't solve the riddles, he'll be put to death. He solves the riddles, but then offers to let her escape the marriage if she can learn his true name. She threatens to kill everyone in the town and even tortures Prince Kalaf's servant Lu to learn her name, but still fails to figure it out. Prince Kalaf kisses her in the end, and his true name is revealed to be Love. Even with the theme of torture and death, the great works always seem to end with love conquering all. This opera features Asian musical themes, but once again has issues with cultural appropriation and representation. The last opera of Puccini's that I'm going to cover in detail is Tosca. This opera was first produced in Turin, with Arturo Toscanini directing it, and it was performed incomplete, as Puccini had left it after passing away. This opera is based on a play written for Sarah Birdhart. It was set in Rome, being threatened by Napoleon's invasion of Italy, and it features intense themes of violence, torture, and suicide. It's a truly lethal opera, because no central character survives the plot. At its core, this opera is a story of love over politics and abuse of authority. This opera was a huge success with the public. Other than these, Puccini also wrote operas like Girl of the Golden West and Manon Lescott, Puccini's operas are deeply influential, comprising three of the top ten operas as ranked by number of performances. His works are emotional and feature deeply mature themes, and while some of his operas are problematic in this modern era, his death pretty much marked the end of the great Italian operas. The final clue for this category is the $2,000 clue. Oh, this best-known song from Carmina Burana has a Latin title. What is O Fortuna? 
Carmina Burana is a cantata for orchestra, chorus, and vocal soloists by Karl Orff, based on medieval German poetry. The best-known song is, as the clue states, O Fortuna, which warns about luck, fate, and the wheel of fortune. I guarantee that you've heard at least the beginning of O Fortuna. It's truly a very powerful song, and it's dramatic work featured in many dark movie moments. Karl Orff was also a prodigy. At age five, he could play the piano, the organ, and the cello. All these musical prodigies today really make me feel kind of bad about my me- mediocre piano playing skills. But besides O Fortuna, he's also known for his contributions to children's musical education. It's his fault that children are taught on the recorder, so parents having to listen to hot cross buns, it's his fault. I think it's also important to mention that Karl Orff's Carmina Burana was very popular in Nazi-era Germany, and he wrote music for Midsummer's Night's Dream at the behest of Nazi Germany. There's a lot of controversy surrounding his support of the Nazi party, and while he has asserted that he was anti-Nazi during the war, there's still some debate on his associations. Karl Orff died in 1982 and is interred in the Baroque church in the Benedictine Priory of the Andex. Now, possible Nazis are a bit of a dark place to go out on, but before I give the final Jeopardy for this week, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you have any suggestions for how to make the show better, if there's something that I got wrong, if I mispronounced something, which is a very real possibility, if there's a category you want me to try to cover, or if you have a clue that you want to try to stump me with, you can reach me at runthecategory at gmail.com. I also want to give credit to the J Archive. It's a great online resource that compiles all the categories, clues, and answers from past Jeopardy episodes. It's a truly wonderful resource that I use to put the show together. Credit for the sound effects of the show goes to Zap Splat Sounds. Now, the final Jeopardy question for this week is... This Russian composer made opera fans riot in the audience with suggestive choreography and his modern composition in The Rite of Spring. Thank you again for listening to the show, and I'll see you next week.